friendship skills are just like math skills. We wouldn't expect our child to just all of a sudden know math. We help them, they go to school and learn it, get them extra tutoring. There's all this scaffolding for like academic stuff. Same with sports. Your child starts playing a sport. You wouldn't expect them to know how to dribble the soccer ball before they've gone to the practice. live and welcome blissful parents michelle abraham your host here hello hello i'm delighted to bring you an incredible guest today audrey Mon- monkeys <laughs> sorry audrey and uh thank you so much for joining us today before i tell you more about her let's just say hi <laughs> hi michelle and hi everybody who's listening so happy to be here with you Thank you so much for joining us. And I was like, I just want to say that your business, your background is all in summer camp and camping. And what we wanted to talk about today was like coaching your kids to better friendships. And I was just sharing with Audrey that a lot of my childhood was growing up in going to summer camps a lot, lot with girl guides and YMCA camps and summer camps that were were privately owned. And I I swear it made a huge impact in like the jobs I was applying for the friends I kept and like just going into my adult life as an entrepreneur and a mom I think it's really I think it was a foundation that was so helpful for me so I'm really excited about this interview Audrey is the author of Happy Camper and uh how do I'm and I'm gonna let you share a little bit about Happy Camper first and then we'll talk more about your your background and your camp and all the things you do but Audrey is well known as a speaker on friendship, kindness, and in summer camps. And uh, we're just super excited to have her today. She's also the podcast host of the podcast Sunshine Parenting. So, so glad you're here with us, Audrey. Share a little bit more about your book. Sure. Yes. Um, Well, I love hearing your camp experience. For a lot of people, their camp experiences, either as a camper or sometimes often as a counselor, have been really transformational and have kind of changed the trajectory of their lives in some way, whether it's through the relationships or just kind of the experiences that they had at camp. So I love that you you can kind of relate to that part. Um, so my book and actually my podcast, my book and all this other kind of side stuff that I do beyond running my own camp really came from my kind of deep desire to share with parents some of the very simple strategies that we use at camp to create this amazing connection with our campers and to really help kids be happier, to thrive. I mean, they're all of what we do at camp. People won't come to camp if they don't feel good there. So we need to make it a place, a culture where kids feel welcome right away. They make friends. They have tons of fun. And they leave not just with like a good camp experience, but lifelong skills that they can take home and use their whole life. So I've been passionate about that for the past three decades as I've been running my camp. I've been constantly looking at how we do things, how we train our staff, what can we do to make this experience not just phenomenal in the moment, but have a lasting positive impact because honestly, camp is expensive and it's a big investment of time. And if a parent is going to send their child to camp, you really want to be sure that your child's going to get something out of that experience that's very positive and better than what they could be doing somewhere else. So um, so really, that's kind of the basis of how it all started is really just working at my own camp and with my own kids, which 
you didn't mention, but I have five kids and they are currently, they're adults, 18 to 20, almost 28. So while running my camp and working with other people's children, I was also with my husband raising my own. So it was also very much me seeing, wow, so much of the stuff we do at camp, I can just do at home. And it's not that hard. And even when you have a lot of kids and not a lot of time, you can do these things that can transform your family too. So that's what I write about in my book. Um, The book is basically talking about sort of my trajectory, what I've learned from my research, from my own experiences with kids about some of these different topics. Like how do you build more responsibility in kids? How do you help kids learn to be kinder to each other? And then the other, like many other topics, but the one you mentioned, um, which is really fundamental is how do we help our kids learn to have positive relationships with others, to make friends, to keep friends once they have them? Um, these are skills they really need to like thrive in life. So it's funny, my, my book, my chapter, my book is bookended. The first chapter, the first secret is about connection, connecting with your kids at home. And then the last chapter is coaching your kids to better friendships. So it kind of, those are the foundation, connect first with your kids and then helping them connect with others. And then all the things in between are skills you can learn as a parent um, to be a better leader, positive leader at home, activities you can do, and then character traits and how to build those. That's kind of what my book, how my book structured. That's so great. I love it. And so the actual title of your book is Happy Campers, Nine Summer Camp Secrets for Raising Kids Who Become Thriving Adults. And I love the name of this because it those summer camp skills, like you were mentioning that you, that you fostered during summer camp, uh, they, they don't leave. Like they stay, like they stay with you. So for our parents at home that are listening today, what would be the three biggest things that you have learned, um, from writing this book, from being only a summer camp to, to implementing into your own parenting that you think that like us parents at home need to know? The number one thing that I and kind of anyone else you would talk to in the field in psychology or anything would say is um, prioritize your relationship, that that is the most important thing. So whatever you're doing, whether it's just a small daily habit of connecting with your kids, and, um, and that's one of the things like it's not that hard, it's not that time consuming, but some of us forget in the busyness of life. Um, or we spend a lot of time talking about things that are not building up our relationship with our children. In fact, it makes us another stress point for them. So for example, you know, common among parents, oh, how was school? How was the math test? How was, you know, it's this kind of like achievement questions um, kind of come easily to us. And really what I learned through camp, which is a wonderful thing that we don't have school there, you know, and it is kind of blissful because we don't have to talk about those things at all, but the counselors are hundred percent focused on building a relationship with kids, connecting with them by learning about them, what makes them tick, how can they help them feel like they belong. And I just, I want to encourage parents that that's what we need to be doing at home too. Just like a camp counselor is looking at their group of kids and saying, okay, so what is this one interested in? What can I ask him or her questions about? And what can I, um, what can I do to, to help this one integrate more? How can I connect more with that one? So it's like, you're really thinking about that. But as parents, we often just kind of label our kids like, oh, he's quiet. Oh, she's the, the uh, student. Oh, you know, we kind of like, oh, 
and we talk to them about those things instead of really getting deeper and really just connecting about just funny stuff, like what made you laugh today or just kind of goofy stuff like that. So I would say that would be my number one takeaway. And even now as a, as a mother of adult children, it's still my goal. Like it's still my goal is to connect with my kids however I can and to keep our relationship up. So keeping up with what they're doing, um, chatting with them, but also just like, if I see something funny or something, I think they like sending them a little text and a photo. It's just really that relationship. I realize you know, is, is the most important thing. So I think that would be my number one takeaway. And what I always tell parents is you can like be really terrible at chore charts and all the organizational stuff. It's like, which I was never very consistent or good about some of those things. It doesn't matter if you've kept, you have a good relationship with your, your kid and they talk to you and you know, what's going on with them. And they will ask you if they need help or support. That's kind of the basic of all, like, what, isn't that the fundamental thing that we all need as parents? Yeah, absolutely. And it was just reminding me of a conversation I had um, on another podcast recently where the hosts of On Boys were on and both of, both of the ladies were both sharing how like, you know, because we weren't boys growing up. So it was sometimes moms have a little bit harder time <laughs> relating to the boys group, like what? But it was just, it was just down to those basics, like finding out what they're interested in and just showing an interest in things that they're interested in too made a huge difference. Um, I really love, uh, I love what you're saying. I love what you're saying about that. So that just reminded me of that conversation. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we've had this conversation a few times, which is awesome. So what's the number two, number two thing? Accepting and loving the kid you have, mm-hmm. not um, some other one that you don't have. The one that <laughs> like, you think you want to have. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> trying to keep um, up with the Joneses kind of kid. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love, I always, you know, I've all constantly tell my kids, my favorite, the comparison is the thief of joy. And, you know, often our kids are these awesome, unique individuals that come to us with their quirks and their strengths and all these things, just like our friends and just like how we are. Right. And, um, just fundamentally, one of the things we hear, hear a lot at camp that, kind of breaks my heart is that kids will say, this is the only place I feel like I belong. Mm. Like, I feel like I belong here. I'm accepted and just loved just for who I am, you know, and I feel like I can share the crazy ideas that I have and like, you know, random stuff. And so I just, you know, I think that it's so hard because we put so much on our kids. We're so excited to have kids and then we have them and like, oh my gosh, this is like the center of our world. And we're so focused on them and we love them so much, but sometimes we almost put too much of our own, like, you know, maybe we weren't very good at sports, but we really want our kid, you know, like we want them to be really good or, you know, we didn't get into a certain college, but I really want my kid to get in there. It's just crazy how sometimes we sort of transfer dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like our our dream or something that we thought we wanted to do, or maybe it's the same thing we did. And, um, it's hard. It's hard, but I just, if you step back and just like, look at your kid and be like, wow, that kid, he is so funny and so energetic and just makes our house just crazy fun. You know, um, okay, maybe he's not great at sitting still in school, 
and he talks too much to his friends. But wow, I'm so grateful that he's so social and has so many friends, right? So it's like being just reframing how we think about our kids so that they know that when they're at home, they're in a place where they are fully accepted just the way they are with all of their quirks and warts and whatever. Like we love them the way they are and nothing they do or don't do will make us love them any more or less. Like they are loved. It's unconditional and truly unconditional. And our words and our nonverbals and everything, most of the time, hopefully, let them know that. So I would say that would be another kind of key thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so important. So important. And I know when kids come home and they feel they're feeling that safeness, sometimes their behavior is like out of control and, and, and different than they behave other other places. But we have, I think we, it's always a good reminder that that's because they feel safe. <laughs> that's because they're totally. comfortable. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every parent, if you haven't learned that, you know, you, you know, cause like, I, I mean, even just recently I was talking to it to someone I work with and uh, she was saying, you know, her daughter can be kind of crazy and sort of like, you know, stubborn and challenging at home. And um, apparently at school, perfect behavior, you know, like in her, in her kindergarten class. And it was, it was just a reminder that happened to me so many times, like with my kids where, you know, in, out in the world, their, the perception of coaches and teachers, oh, very respectful, mm-hmm. listens well, everything. And then at home, sometimes it'd be like, you're like, what not, is that the same kid? Yeah. <laughs> is that the same you, person here? Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. But you're, you're so right. Because isn't that true? It's with our, the people we feel safest with is the people we feel like we can really say things. It's even like, as you know, as an adult with that friend who you can say, okay, this is going to sound terrible but this is what I'm feeling right now about this situation or this person or whatever. And knowing that that person is not going to say, Oh my gosh, you're a horrible person for (laughs) thinking that, you know, you need those safe people Mm -hmm. to be able to um, really express kind of the ugly thoughts and just the darker things. Um, And yeah, so yeah. So I think that safety thing comes from that acceptance and belonging. Mm -hmm. I have this like formula in my book, A plus B equals C, uh, acceptance plus belonging equals connection. Mm -hmm. So just that's sort of the, again, it just kind of relates to the first one that when you're feeling like you belong, you're going to feel more connected to whoever it is, your parent or your siblings or that kind of thing. Yeah. I think when we're so busy too, sometimes uh, I can see this in our houses. Some of the, some of the things that we're saying to them is like, okay, get your jacket on. Okay. Let's get out the door. Okay. Hurry up. Okay. Do this. It's not, it's, it's like we're missing the the deep conversations and the connection when we're going from A to Z and transitioning all the time which then, you know, there's sometimes some behavior that comes out with that too. So having some time, just a few minutes to connect on a deeper level, we find that that pillow talk, like, why do we all go to bed earlier so we can have longer here, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And what would we think, what was number three? To have two different things. One is a practice of a one-on-one connection time with each of your kids every day that has nothing to do with school nagging planning. That is that pillow talk that you just referred to. It could just be the, that it can be um, really anything. It can be doing something with them. Um, I know that in there's, um, I can't remember the person who does it, but they talk about special time. I mean, you can 
you don't even have to make it like blatant to your child. You can just do it on your own. Or you could say to your kid, hey, here's my five minutes. What do you want to do? Or what do you want to talk about? And give them your full attention. Um, we are all so distracted and so craving someone to just give us give us attention. And that's adults and kids alike. And it is the biggest gift we can give our kids, whether they are two years old and showing us something or they're 25 years old and want to just like vent about something at work. You know, it's, it's just being present, fully present without even in your mind thinking, Oh, I have that email to answer. I have that project at work to finish. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to give someone your full attention, but that practice alone is I think super duper important. So I would say that that one-on-one connection Um, And then the other thing, um, as a family, some kind of daily family sharing, and it sounds really hokey, because, you know, people are, oh, and especially if your kids are older, it's Mm kind of, it takes a little bit to get it implemented. But that's a practice at camp that is just part of our day. So for us at camp, it's around the campfire. Mm -hmm. And every day, every single person in the group knows that they're going to have a chance to share and be listened to and be acknowledged by the group. So whether you're the loudest person in the group or your family or the quietest, you get some time every single day when your group is focused on you. And I can't tell you that if there's one practice that can be life-changing for your family, it's having that, like, first of all, dinner. I mean, we all know, like having dinner together, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be gourmet, but just Mm -hmm. sitting down together. Mm -hmm. And if it's a sports night, dessert and tea, whatever, sitting down together as a family, at least most nights of the week or as many as you can get. And that's when we always did our sharing and you can pick whatever kind of sharing, but um, a lot of people will share their high and low of the day. And that leads to a lot of more conversation and questions and connection. And um, gosh, in my family, we, I mean, with seven of us, when we were all home and all the kids were home, I mean, just that conversation of going around so many digressions and whatever, that it just led to really rich and long conversation where when you don't have some kind of structure, people could be finished eating in seven minutes right? and it just, it's over. So, um, so anyway, I share a lot in my book, different ideas and also on my website of different ideas of sharing, but a few of my favorites, the high, low, mm-hmm. you can also do high, low hero. So mm-hmm. someone who um, did something kind for you today, or that you really looked up to. And then um, another really positive practice, especially with um, kind of our understanding of the mental health challenges that so many of us and our children are having right now, is the three good things. Mm-hmm. So To know that at dinner with your family, you're going to be sharing three good things from your day actually gets your mindset during the day to be looking for good things, which we know is in itself a positive practice. So, um, so yeah, so that would be, that would be my other stuff is just kind of the activity thing Mm -hmm. It's just keep it simple. Maybe just do one thing, maybe start with that Mm one-on-one full attention maybe start with it being two minutes. I mean, it can be super short 
And then the other thing would be the the kind of daily family sharing. We do the um like the rose and thorn in our house. Oh, yeah. So, yep. Uh, the Same rose idea. and thorn. Uh, yeah. The kids usually do two roses and a thorn. And so the thorns usually something they can work on or something they want to improve on or something that didn't go as planned. But I think it, like what I've noticed is share share some like grat- gratitude, right? Help them practice gratitude and be grateful for things. And I love the conversations that come from it. It's been one of the best things that I think our dinner times have turned into uh, since implementing it a few years ago, I think it's really, my kids are still really young, but I think it, they, they still, they, they're the ones that initiated it often, right? Sometimes we'll forget and they'll, they'll bring it up. Which is cool. That's awesome. Also, I think in my book, I talk about rose thorn, but there's also, you can do rose thorn and bud, Ooh, meaning like, cool. like something like an opportunity or mm. an idea. So I don't know how many kids you have or if you have time, but, um, but there's all these, like, you know, you can kind of, and it's so great that you started when they're young, but you can really start anytime, you know? Yeah. Cool. I love that. And so diving into what we wanted to, uh, to also bring up today is friendship. So coaching your kids to good friendship, why friendship? Like what's it, what, what is it about friendship? Like, what does it really matter if they have friends or not? Um, yes. Um, I think we've all learned, and I think the pandemic maybe even made it more clear that the most important thing and our biggest priority in life is our community and connections with other people, with our family and with our friends. And um, I don't know if you're familiar with Susan Pinker. I think she might be out of Canada, The Village Effect, her book. Mm, yeah. Um, but you know, she did all this research on these people who live the longest. And of course, everyone thinks that it's going to be about, you know, it's the Mediterranean diet or, you know, you didn't smoke (laughs) or you ran 800 miles a week or whatever. As it turns out, there's all these different factors when you do this meta resource on it and you get to the top of her list and it's the top two are positive relationships and social connection. I think it's something, they're both something about social. So one is just your saying hi to the barista and having like, kind of like ongoing interactions with people. Mm. And then the other is just the depth, the relationship depth with people. So for our kids, if we want them to have a thriving, healthy, happy life, the number one thing they are going to need is positive relationships it does not need to be many. They don't need to be, you know, they don't have to have 800 friends and nobody can have that many anyway, but it's, um, <laughs> it's really quality over quantity, but many kids actually don't know how to sort of find the right kind of friend for their personality, which you like know, to kind of talk about like finding your tribe or your people, you know, um, you know, I think, I don't know if you can relate, but as an adult, I, I really looking back, Um, I have some really dear friends from like further back, like high school and college, a few, but I really didn't find my people until my adulthood people that I really, you know, the people who have kind of the same interests and like, I can, you know, want to read the same books for book club or Mm -hmm. do the same kind of activities in our free time. So it's a lifelong process, right? Like finding our friends and really determining and discerning who are the people who are making me a better person and I'm supporting them. So anyway, so friendships are super important and they are not prioritized enough until people see what a struggle it is for their kids. And this is where, you know, I've been like beating this drum for years that at camp and our camp and most camps that are like intentional programming 
the number one focus is that community and connection piece. So yes, you know, some camps do sailing and others do tennis and others do whatever, but nobody would come to a camp or stay there or keep coming back unless they feel like they have friends and they want to come back to see their friends. So it's the people and it's that community that's most important. So friendship is super important. And the other thing that I think parents often don't realize is friendship skills are just like math skills. So, you know, we wouldn't expect our child to just all of a sudden know math. You know, we help them, they go to school and learn it. There's, you know, all this, you know, sometimes we get them extra tutoring. There's all this scaffolding for like academic stuff. Same with sports. Your child starts playing a sport. You wouldn't expect them to know how to dribble the soccer ball before they've gone to the practice. And so I think that our kind of culture and all the screens, even before the pandemic, were making it harder for kids to just naturally make friends. There wasn't as much of the, you know, and I don't even know when we're going to get to the point where even the parents haven't experienced that, but I bet we're getting close where, Mm -hmm. you know, I was still, I grew up in um, mostly the seventies and eighties. And I, um, I mean, I I don't even remember my parents ever being around like (laughs) like after school, (laughs) like I was just with my friends all the time. Like, you know, and, um, and so we had so much practice, didn't we, of just being with our friends and getting in arguments with our friends and negotiating what activity we were going to do. There was just so much practice. So we look back and think, oh gosh, you know, I was really good at making friends, but we had a lot of practice that our kids aren't necessarily getting. Um, so yeah, so I, I think it's really, really important. And, and I think it's, for many people could be the answer to a lot of other things. So mm. if you feel like you have a friend and a good friend um, and that you have fun with and you will probably feel better about everything else, like everything else will go better. Like when you get a bad grade on a test, it's better when you have someone you can go to to say, oh, I just, that was really horrible how that went, you know, and they could reassure rather than keeping it all inside and just feeling sad on your own about things and disappointed. Yeah. I feel like we also had a lot more free time on our hands, uh, than we do, than we do now to, to have the, that friendship and that time. My question is, uh, what is it, is there anything, is there anything that needs to like help your kids if they're very exclusive. So like maybe they have like one really, really good friend and they don't like playing with anyone else other than that one friend. Is that, is that now not, not as good as having, being able to make friends with other kids too? Um, That's a great question. I, you know, I think having really having one good friend is great. Mm -hmm. However, there's going to be a point at which your child is going to be in a new setting or a place where um, they really are going to need those skills of how to meet new people and talk with people they don't know as well. So I think it's a little bit of both. And especially depending on the age and developmentally where your child is and that kind of thing, there does need to be a little bit of practice still of mm-hmm. how do you meet new people and how do you have a conversation with someone that you just met? And I think those kind of things we can very easily practice at home. 
um, just by what you were just talking about, the, the dinner conversation mm-hmm. and follow-up questions to each other, that is friendship skills practice right there. So you start where you are. Okay, your child is comfortable talking to you, to their sibling, and to their one friend. Great. You're getting going, right? But you're building <laughs> you're building the skills. And then when you're in a new setting, they join a new team or club or they have to switch schools and that friend isn't there. They at least have some experience and then you can help scaffold it more with more, you know, kind of more information for them at that point. Should we as parents like offer um, some opportunities for them to be the new person in a setting, like joining a new team or doing a new activity? Do you think that's an important part of them learning the skills? That's such a, a great question, Michelle. And this kind of is fundamentally one of the kind of fundamental questions about parenting. So as a summer camp director, I know that there are a lot of parents who would never consider sending their child to camp, especially a camp where their child doesn't know anyone else because that's so far out of their comfort zone as a parent to put their child in this situation that is kind of unknown and you're not there with them. And I also know that it's a huge gift to give our kids opportunities to grow and meet other people and have these experiences um, without us there. And so I, I am a proponent and this is all within, you know, your, you know, your child best. And I think about it as, and in my book, I talk about this, like, how do you know when to push a kid versus kind of like support them and let them cocoon more kind of thing. So really it varies kid by kid, but there, there needs to be growth going on throughout childhood. Right. So if the comfort zone is very small, socially, you want to just slightly grow it, right. Grow it in comfortable ways. So it might start with the neighbor family down the street. You have a barbecue where the parents are there and you set the kids up with a puzzle or, you know what I mean? Like you, you can really start with something that will feel more comfortable for you and your child. Um, But I would say that, yes, we need to think about what is it that we need to help our child with to grow socially and get out of their little comfort zone. It needs to expand over childhood. Um, especially if you want your child to go away to school ever, um, get a job, mm-hmm. perhaps move to another place where you are not there. When you think about all of those kind of transitions in, of adulthood that so many young adults are struggling with really, really badly right now because it was just too much of a stretch for them. So, you know, if you think that you're going to, kind of keep your child comfy and at home and only with the friends who are, you know, you know, really well, and they've known since kindergarten and you've grown up together and they've never had to, you know, kind of expand that. You think they're going to just go to college somewhere else and suddenly know how to form new community and connection. It just doesn't happen that way for most people. I mean, some kids just have that skill more naturally, but not many, like most of us really need to practice more before we're put in those situations. So, so yes, I would just think start small again, it doesn't have to be anything huge, but if you really have that kid who really has just like one or two friends and doesn't introduce themselves and doesn't have any interest in kind of any other communities, um, I would start small and yes, start thinking about what that, what you're looking for in the distance, which is someone who can go into a new setting, a new workplace, a new school, 
a new club and be comfortable introducing themselves and meeting new people, even though it's awkward, it's awkward for adults too. (laughs) You know, I love, I love doing that. I love throwing myself into new situations where I don't know anyone. And it's funny because as you're talking, I'm like reeling back into my life. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I went to lots of different girl guide camps with lots of different people. I didn't know I was traveled across the kind across the world with people I didn't know to a summer camp in Switzerland, like all these situations where I was put in these, where I didn't know anyone else, but some of my closest friends came out of some of those situations. I mean, not lifelong friends, but friends for several years afterwards. And it's interesting because now as an adult, I love those kind of situations. And I think it's one of my best skills in my business is being able to go into a situation where I don't know someone connect with people and then, you know, invite them to work with me afterwards. So it's interesting that some of those skills and just thinking back to my camp experience. And then on the flip side of it, from being a camp counselor, several times uh, we had this, um, we have this program that kids in grade four and grade seven in our area, when I was growing up, would go to something called outdoor school for a week with their class. And I remember being a camp counselor um, for many years um, from some for some of those weeks. One, because it was a great way to get out of school and high school for a week, but <laughs> but I actually loved meeting the other counselors and the kids. And what I noticed was that sometimes the kids come in with this like mm, don't want to be here kind of like <laughs> attitude, or you know, or maybe not having the best home life. And then by the end of the week, seeing the transformation in those kids in like them, like bonding with each other and with the counselors and like just thriving in like the outdoor environment. There were so many things that I saw that were so beneficial for kids going through that transition. Have you, what was, what have been some of the favorite things that you've seen through those kind of transformations in kids from going to camp? Oh my gosh, Michelle, I have hundreds, hundreds literally of stories, but, um, I will say another with camp, I think that the best thing is when kids do go on their own to camp. Hmm. And I know that sounds weird because parents again, feel like, Oh, it's almost like a comfort blanket. Like they, they need their friend, but you know, your friendships, um, they're all different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want all of our friendships to be those mutually kind of, you're both, you're both, you know, you kind of shift back and forth who needs more support and you're, it's very equal, but a lot of our kids don't have those kind of friendships yet. You know, it's where they might be more of the follower of their friend and kind of do what the friend wants to do, or, um, they might be the one that the friend kind of like leans on and sort of keeps you back from making new friends. So there's sometimes some like benefits to putting yourself and your child to in those situations. So I would say that probably the biggest transformations at camp occur with the kids who least want to be there or who are most anxious about going. And so there's the irony, right? That the, Mm -hmm. the people who need something most are the ones who are least likely to, to get there because it's so hard. Right. But I mean, I, I write in my book about one particular boy who his, his mother knew that it was going to be a huge struggle for him, the adjustment, the separation. Um, but he was 11 years old and she was very, she was like, it's time. He's got to be able to feel okay without me to be okay on his own. And I know it's going to be painful for him, but, but he needs to do this. And so I was like, okay, well, we really talked ahead of time. And this is another thing I say, whether it's camp or a new club or a coach or whatever, talk to the adult in charge ahead of time and just say, hey, just want to give you a heads up. 
she's nervous about this. You know, could you just be, you know, maybe help, you know, whatever, help connect her in the first day or so. Um, so, but anyway, that particular camper, the mom even knew that two weeks wasn't even going to be enough that he'd probably just barely get over it because it was going to be a tough case. And so she signed him up for a month of camp his first year. And he was one of, and I mean, I, I often get the really hard case homesick kids, those they come to me. Um, I can't name sunshine. That's why my sunshine parenting. And um, so I remember talking to him and I mean, this was probably in the late nineties. This is even before, you know, they could call and nobody had cell phones or anything, but he was already, he still felt that way. And he was say, I can't do this. I just, it's, you know, I, I need to be home. I, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. He had no confidence in his own ability to be away, to connect with other kids and everything. Anyway, we worked with him. He ended up being one of our longest term campers came back as a counselor where they worked the whole summer for several years. And, you know, if his mother hadn't said, gosh, I love my son so much that I and he kind of need to go through sort of a challenge in order to get him to where he needs to be, to be his best self. So I think those transformations are probably the ones that that kind of keep me and other camp professionals doing this job is seeing kids who didn't think they could make friends, who didn't feel confident in themselves, just come alive. A lot of kids will call it in their evaluations, they'll say, I got so much more outgoing. Like that's what they'll say as they're how they change their shells. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. And I think, you know, it's not a combination. You think of like them trying new activities, like in like the outdoor environment and then being around other kids. Like, what do you think that contributes to that? So many factors. Um, so number one, and I know, I don't know that we've touched on this much, but, um, just, being away from screens. So we are a completely unplugged camp as are most kind of traditional type of camp programs. Um, very key because even as adults, if we're waiting in a line or whatever we're doing, the natural thing now is to pull out your phone, right. And just go into your own little, it's like, you know, whatever. But if instead we were, you're forced to like, you left your phone in the car and you're in the post office line, you know, you might end up striking up a conversation with the person in front of you or behind you, you at the very least are observing what's going on. Um, so forcing kids to not have their phones and our staff um, is the best because when nobody has them, it's the norm to we're actually talking to each other. So there's so much just chit chatting. And when you're walking between things and saying hello and smiling at people you don't even know. It's just that all those social skills, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things is that we've got to put our phones down, adults and kids yeah. at some points of the day. And it could be that you just say, when you're going in to do an errand, the phones are staying in the car um, for sure at meals. I mean, you can just kind of put your own ground rules, but I, I think that's key. You need the practice and we don't get the practice when we're, when we have our kind of our, it's like our comfort it's like a blanket. It's our comfort blanket, right? right? For, for adults. Even like if you go to a conference and you don't know people, you'll see some people will sit down and be like, oh, hello, and introduce themselves and start chatting. And others will sit down and get their phone out. Yeah. 
So it's adults too. We're all doing this stuff. So I, I'd say that was one of the things, but you also, okay. So that is helpful in terms of you gain skills by having the opportunity to practice them. So the social part you definitely get because you need to, when you don't have the other mm-hmm. stuff, um, the trying new things, huge factor in building confidence in kids. So again, same kind of formula. Not all kids are ready to go to the top of the ropes course or (laughs) get up on water skis on their first time. And that's okay. What's a little challenge for those kids. And (laughs) even just a little challenge builds their confidence so much. They're like, I can't believe I did that. I didn't think I could do that. Oh my gosh, I did that. It's great. It's amazing. That's awesome. I love, I, I love, I just love like the like the idea of summer camp. Now I think summer camps have been pretty hard hit since like the pandemic and COVID and stuff. Do you see, what do you see as changes happening in the summer camp spaces? And can we, can we please go back to camp how it used to be? And is that going to happen? You know what? It has been quite an adjustment for camps, right? Trying to figure out how to operate during COVID and the pandemic. And many, I mean, Camps are booming right now, Michelle. I mean, it is like for camps, like in my area Mm -hmm. that um, we're all in these conferences together. I mean, most of us are almost full for next summer because of the the demand, because parents so want their kids to get outdoors and to be with Mm -hmm. friends and to do fun stuff and to just be kids and just have a break from all the stuff. So, um, so yes, it's kind of like school. There needs to be, you know, there need to be protocols and policies and it really depends on where you are and what's mm-hmm. going on and, and who knows what next summer is going to bring. But I'll tell you, we've all learned to be flexible. Um, there were many camps that closed mm-hmm. because they either um, just couldn't, you know, afford, most of us didn't operate in 2020. So that was a huge challenge, um, huge challenge. For, for camps that laid off their like year round staff. Um some of them didn't get them back. There were some camps that couldn't operate last summer just because they didn't have enough counselors because mm. of the kind of the labor stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot, there are That's a lot on. of challenge. Yeah. A lot of challenges in running a camp right now, but, um, but it's a, it's so, I guess it's just, it, we, we have realized that it's worth all the crazy work yeah. that we've had to do um, because seeing those kids singing and dancing together and sitting around a campfire chatting. And I mean, I, I was brought to tears last summer by very simple things. Like I watch, you know, watching four kids play cards together. Mm-hmm. Um, just all of that simple connection stuff that happens that we took for granted before. And now we'll never again, right. you know, now we know how special it is. So, so yeah, it, it has been, it's been hard and 2020 was kind of a train wreck for most camps. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but in 2021, most of us were able to come back at least at some capacity Mm -hmm. and, um, and then hopefully next summer we'll be able to be back at full capacity and hopefully we'll be somewhat as much as it was like before. I have to tell you, our families, even though kids had to wear masks some of the time and there was testing and, you know, there was a lot of stuff. Uh, the kids had no impact. They all had a great time. Did not phase them after being at school. They were just, all of us were just so happy to be there that we're like, okay, what hoop do we need to jump through to be here? We'll, we'll do it. You know? Can you tell us a little bit about your camp and where it is before I let you go? Cause I want to hear that our parents (laughs) listening to him, like hear about your camp and uh, where it is. It's in California, right? Sure. Um, So my camp is called gold arrow camp. 
and it's on Huntington Lake in the Sierra National Forest. Beautiful. So, um, so the website is goldarrowcamp.com and it's, um, it's been around since 1933 and it's really a special place. We focus on all non-competitive outdoor recreational kind of stuff that kids don't get to do at home. And really it's the focus is community and friendship and just, and just like, really, we want kids to leave equipped with some life, social, emotional skills that they can bring back home. Last summer, I I spent a lot of time with the kids on um, just calm down strategies, because that's actually a really important friendship skill is being able to um, calm down before you respond when you're feeling angry. Um, I'm still working on it myself. <laughs> we all are. <laughs> we all are. And, um, and, and, and it's so funny because oh, I'll just digress. But I was telling the campers last summer, we always talk about flipping your lid, the Dan Siegel thing that he teaches about how when we are really like triggered by something, we, we flip our lid, meaning we just go straight to our amygdala and just say and do things we totally regret later. And um, so we teach kids about flipping their lids. And when I'm talking to them, I'm like, you know, have you ever been in a situation where like a parent, your parent or a teacher just kind of lost it? And they're all like, oh yeah, <laughs> like, but we all do this. So what are strategies that we can do to when we're feeling it about to flip, to unflip it? Anyway, so stuff like that, it. that I love doing that kind of stuff with the campers and then hearing when they get home, that they're teaching their families about it. So anyway, but yeah. The ripple effect of camp is so great. That's so awesome. And if you want to connect with Audrey, uh, specifically the sunshine-parenting.com is where you'll find out her podcast and her book and all those things there. Audrey, any last words for our parents before we let you go today? Oh, I just want to give encouragement. You've got this. Don't, I know it's overwhelming, but maybe just making one small tweak, one new activity that just is connecting, um, especially, you know, like any time of year is fine, but just the, just taking a moment and saying, what is one thing I could do to just have a more positive kind of connected family? And you will be amazed that I probably after just a week or two, you'll notice like a change in the vibe. So I just encourage parents that, that it's, it's not as hard as it seems. And it's so simple that in our house this week, the whole thing that everyone's connecting over is we went out to the yard and got a bunch of rocks. And my daughter got these acrylic paints that you can paint rocks on. Our whole family, my nine-year-old, my six-year-old, my husband, my husband's really into it. And we're all painting rocks every night, like (laughs) with Christmas decorations and stockings. So it can be as simple as painting rocks, something to connect all over. And we've having some great conversations over this painting rocks. So however funny that is, it's been, it's, been really fun in our family to do that this week and it's made a difference without screens (laughs) that's so awesome well thank you so much Audrey for being with us today you guys please connect with her and uh, follow her on her podcast reach out to her and connect with her and don't forget to buy her book and uh, thank you so much Audrey for being with us today bye thanks for having me thank you blissful parents we'll see you again next week Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.